0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Rookler Politics Takeaway for Tuesday, November 14th. I'm Tom Bevan, co-founder and president of RCP. I'm
1: Carl Cannon, Washington Bureau Chief. Good morning, Tom.
0: Good morning, Carl. The Republican presidential primary field is shrinking as we speak,
1: Carl. (laughs) Tim Scott. Tim Scott Scott did not follow my advice rendered Friday to let the people of Iowa. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. We just talked
0: about that. (laughs) <laughs> and you know it's interesting. So he announced it on Trey Gowdy's show. He's obviously good buddies with Trey Gowdy.
1: That's on Fox. That's on Fox.
0: yeah. It was so on news. yeah. But but I read. Well, first of all, Trey seemed very surprised by the news. And I read a story that said that even Tim Scott's own staffers weren't apprised of the decision, and they learned about it as he said it on air. So yeah.
1: one of, one of them on the Associated Press said she, uh, he or she learned about it. Before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, crazy. So yeah.
0: I mean, that kind of makes it seem like it was almost a bit spontaneous. I mean, when you go on national television and and you don't tell anybody who works for you, was this a rash decision
1: on his part or what what exactly happened here? Well, he just wasn't getting traction, Tom. It was the same issue that Mike Pence had. you know on paper, both Tim Scott and Mike Pence uh, fit the Iowa uh, primary. Republican primary electorate. And they, you know, they, and they looked, both of them looked, I I, I know this because uh, Phil Wegman did some reporting and I have a person I know on Pence's, who used to work for Pence. They looked to Rick Santorum, what, what Santorum did in 2012. And they thought and he came out of nowhere. He was at 5% in December and, you know, finished in a dead heat actually narrowly defeated Mitt Romney. Although, we didn't report. We didn't know enough to report it that way. But basically, a dead heat with Romney. So that was their playbook. But neither of them—they—they they were just—they weren't picking up the signs that that sen- Senator Santorum was picking up. They weren't getting the kind of enthusiasm. Tim Scott even said something to Trey Gowdy, Thomas, something like, "You know, people are telling me, like, not now, Tim." So these are at his rallies. You know, <laughs> afterwards, people are coming up to him. They weren't raising the money. They weren't catching on, and. You know, Trump's at forty percent in these states, fifty percent. You know, they were at you know less than five. So, I, I understand why he did it. I just, you know, it'd be nice if the voters could have a say, but you know, there is a primary before the primary, right? The the fundraising is part of it.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I think he was poised to be sort of the breakout star in that first debate. You know, leading into it, we had I think it was I think it was Larry Ellison from Oracle or somebody had like committed, you know. 8 million bucks to him to run ads and it was all teed up and he was going to go just, you know, he had to have this debate performed and he just like, it didn't happen. Like he never really had a moment and Vivek sort of took over and it just, he kind of just whiffed a little bit and then was never able to, to regain his footing by all accounts. You know, he's, he's an affable guy and a likable guy, but you know, it's, it's so often that this is just a, you know, the running uh running for president is uh to quote the great philosopher, <laughs> Robert Downey Jr., it's high science. It's alchemy. It's like working with Mercury, right? It's the man or woman sort of meeting the moment in this very, very uh finite moment in time. Everything, all the stars have to align. And they looked like they were gonna align
1: for him, but they just didn't. It just didn't happen. And li- also like Mike Pence. Tim Scott gets out of it without a whiff of scandal, without without even a gaffe, without making a mistake. But you're right; when there's this many candidates, not making mistakes not enough. You actually have to have a breakout moment. You have to do something where people people are watching, and these aren't huge, you know, these aren't Super Bowl type uh, ratings, but you know, millions of people watching. And what you want is for people to say, "I want that person to be president." That person speaks to me. And what happened with Scott is. People say, "Well, I like him. It's a a nice story he tells." But they didn't. They didn't go to the next. They didn't go from there, saying, "I see him in the Oval Office. I need him to be in the Oval Office. This country needs him." He just didn't do that. And partly, he's an evangelical Christian, a conservative, decent guy. Uh, But he he also had this problem. Tom, we we should mention it because you're going to the next debate, right? I am. If Donald Trump sticks to his uh, uh, rope-a-dope strategy. You're gonna probably have Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, and the aforementioned Vivek Ramaswamy, who and that's it. is sort of the SAT question that doesn't match. But there's three people up there. That's it. And now they'll have the breakup. But I was gonna say in Tim Scott's problem was Nikki Haley. They they were both from South Carolina. She appointed him senator. She resented him even being in the race. And and so did the donors who who like Scott but think it's important for the party to move on beyond Donald Trump, not just the voters, the the movement conservatives, you know, look, Trump's got these huge numbers, but there's still about half the party doesn't want him and thinks he might lose to Biden. And so that was the other thing Tim Scott had going against him. People wanted him out of the way, the people who want to settle on Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley as the alternative to Trump. And they just thought he was wasting airtime. And he was just sort of cluttering up the thing, especially since, Haley's the one who appointed him in the Senate, and a lot of Haley people thought he should just not have even run in the first place.
0: So the, the obvious question is, okay, what happens to Tim Scott's support? How does it jigger the race? If it does at all, right? He only was, was at 7% in our average, 6.7 in our average in Iowa, less than that nationally. And the if you go back and look at the Des Moines Register NBC News poll, which which was conducted late October- 22nd through the 26th, uh, Tim Scott was in fourth place in that poll. He was at 7%. And then when they asked Tim Scott's people who they supported as their their second choice, 28 said Donald Trump, 28%. 25% said it would be Haley, and 23% said it would be Ron DeSantis. So, I mean, if anything, that gives Trump kind of a slight extra edge, not by much, but it's it's effectively split three ways, pretty evenly, among those, those three choices. So if that's accurate,
1: Carl, that means like this race changes, like not at all, or even slightly in Donald Trump's right. favor, because it gets some closer to 50% there. Uh, and remember the other thing you have going on in, in Iowa is those caucuses, caucus night. People say, all right, who are you for? You declare it, you declare it in front of your neighbors. It's, you know, it's, it's an open process and a very interesting one, sort of old fashioned. Uh, New England town hall style democracy. But if your candidate's not viable, you know, Ramaswamy, you got this little precinct there. All right, five people for revake Ramaswamy. All right, that's not enough. We're not going to... So where are you going to go? Well, if those people go to Trump, I mean, it starts to really... It's, it's looked like an inside straight all along. If that poll's right, if that if that's what happens with that vote. On the other hand, if they if those people are still undecided, and that's really probably what they are, Trump not debating... Might he? He might want to start debating these people. He might want to be on the stage with them. Uh They're gonna. I think you brought this up last week. They're gonna have to start hammering Trump for not being there. I don't know what they have to lose. Desantis and Christie have said that, but Haley needs to get in that ball game. I would think she. I mean, she thinks she's running against Ron DeSantis, be alternative against Trump, but really they're all running against Trump. All right, couple minutes left.
0: Let's switch gears. Yesterday Politico had a double-barreled front page. Uh, stories about Joe Biden. Uh, One was by Jim Messina, former campaign manager for Barack Obama, title of that was, I was Obama's 2012 campaign manager. There's no need to panic over Joe Biden. The other story written by their chief political columnist, John Martin, was, here's how Biden can turn it around. And this is one of the quotes from the article, uh, which people sort of pulled out. And they talk about the fact that this is not all this talk about Biden and the worry is not just, you know, sort of idle chatter. It's it's reflected by the folks inside Biden's team. And this is what he said. In part for uh, reasons Biden refuses to accept, his capacity to do the job. The oldest president in history, when he first took the oath, Biden will not be able to govern and campaign in the manner of previous incumbents. He simply does not have the capacity to do it. And his staff doesn't trust him to even try, as they make clear by blocking him from the press. Biden's bid will give new meaning to a rose garden campaign, and it requires accommodation to that
1: unavoidable fact of life. What do you make of that? There there are two things going on in this campaign. If you're a Democrat and you want to keep the Democrats in the White House, the first is inflation. And you know, I keep seeing journalists saying, and, and Democrats and journalists, and sometimes interchangeably, oh, the economy is doing great. Our message is just not good. And, and that that to me. That's actually precisely backwards. There are good things about this economy, the job creation, and there are terrible things, the high interest rates and the and the inflation, and it's it's tough for working class people right now. Biden actually, I think, has communicated on this very well. It's been the issue that he's the best on. Not initially when he denied inflation was even happening. He went up to Illinois. I guess it was Illinois. He was uh, uh, where, where you live, mm-hmm. Tom. Yeah, and to this talking auto workers and said and it was very lucid he had a very it was like old Joe Biden he said the middle class built this country and unions built the middle class and and people know that and he was he had taken sides in that dispute on the side of the labor not the sides of the automakers he, they, they had prevailed and you know you can argue that their contracts inflationary but what Biden would argue is that uh we need to boost wages in this country and he's made the case and he's made it well so I don't think they have a communications problem. I think he's actually communicating on this issue better no. than any other issue. I think the problem is inflation itself. The problem is the numbers. The problem is it's a it's like a tax on on people of fixed income and working class people. And so that's the first problem. The other problem to when you talked about is the age. There's nothing they can do about that. You know, he has to come to that decision himself. But you know, if, if you're listening to this, you've got a parent or grandparent and you, you can't get them to move out of their house, you know, house on a mountain with, you know, stairs, and, you know, your 85-year-old grandfather's still chopping wood by hand with an ax and you, you tell him, grandpa, maybe you should move down to, you know, the condo in town. He looks like he's going to hit you with the ax. All right. Now that guy's president. I don't know who's going to tell him. And I don't think it gets easier as you get older to tell people that they've got to make this the great accommodation. I have not... Detected any sign that he's thinking of along these lines? No. Have you,
0: Tom? Uh, I have not, but that doesn't mean it can't happen. I mean, again, these things could be well, well hidden from the from the press. Uh, they could be conversations that are being tightly held, and it could come very suddenly, even though, again, it's like something that people have been talking about for months and months. It'll still, still could be a surprise when it happens, even if people think it's going to happen. But I get the last word. Where, where
1: no, I, no, no, I know. No, yeah. You're going to get the last word because, but I want to ask you something about that. A, a follow-up question on this. I, I just thought of this. Donald Trump's going around saying, you know, saying that Obama's really the president. Vivek Swami said the last debate, oh, well, let's, it's a fiction that Joe Biden's going to run. What's going on in Trump world? Is this what they think is the winning ticket is to make show Biden into this doddering old fool? Is that how they, is this is this going to work for them? Let's turn it around.
0: And there's been some written about this too, because Trump's made a few gaffes and, and that obviously sort of dilutes the message a little bit if he's if he's up there making his own, you know, sort of mental errors. But the, the polling on this is pretty clear. I mean, people, including independents and even Democrats are worried about Biden's age and his ability to do the job. And so it is a huge drag on him as a candidate. And so I think Trump, Trump's team will certainly play into that, but the other drag is the economy. As you mentioned, I think I think you're wrong. I mean, I think they're messaging, and we've seen stories on this too. They leaned into Bidenomics. I mean, Joe calls it Bidenomics, and and I think that ends up being a mistake in the end, unless inflation. You know, inflation's coming down. You, to your point, you have all these people. Oh, you know, Paul Krugman's out there tweeting like inflation's been licked. You know, it's we won the war on inflation. <laughs> Meanwhile. You know, People are paying exorbitant prices at the grocery store still. Um, I mean, gas has come down, which is nice. I mean, I, I filled up the other day. It was under $4, which I was like, I noticed that. And I thought, okay, that's good, finally. But still, rent and and other things are making it difficult for people to make ends meet. And unless that changes some way, somehow, it's going to be a drag on – Oh, uh, Joe, but and I, I just don't think, I just don't think Biden saying, Bidenomics is working. It's all working. My plan's really popular and it's working. That is at odds with the reality that a lot of people are living in right now. And so, for that reason, I think it's going to be a negative. But, but I know you're trying to get the last word. I hear it.
1: I just have so much I well, want to ask you. We're like a couple minutes over. So, all right, one more, one last thing. The Biden playbook is inflation does come down wages continue to go up the get this gap between between in the wage increase which is like 13% overall since Biden took office compared to you know 17 or 18% inflation you know that this gap closes but when is the magic number because you know in August of 1988 no 1992 uh, George H W Bush the, the numbers were out the recession was over the economy was doing great and George H.W. president said, you yeah, know, I like to see the Washington Post, you know, say that this isn't these aren't good numbers. Well, the Post did say they weren't good numbers. They still pissed on it. But that's not the point. The point was by August, and election wasn't until November. By August, people already made up their minds that that George H.W. wasn't a good steward of the economy, didn't really know what middle class people were going through. So I think I think the trends are moving in the president's way, uh, in the Democrats' way, in terms of inflation being controlled now and wages and and in, in wages and income starting to rise. But my question is, when does it have to happen by how much time do they have? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's people just make up yeah, their mind. It's, it's tough to
0: say. I mean, usually, especially in,
1: it's not a year,
0: it's not November. No, no, it's, and it's 30, 60, some days, even 90, 90 days before where the, and especially in a, a situation where you have a lot of people who are voting early, they're voting four weeks or, you know, before election day. You know, it's their their vision of the economy is going to be pretty pretty well fixed thirty days in advance of that or or whatever. And it's one of those things like what number is it doesn't it doesn't it's like pornography. Note when you see it, right? It's not the Dow gets to a certain number or, you know these these numbers don't mean anything. You know, unemployment's back to historic lows. Doesn't feel like that to people, so they look at that number and just doesn't mean anything to them. It's how you are living your everyday life, and unless and until they start feeling better about that. It's gonna be a problem for the president. Okay, now we're way over, so we're gonna go. No more words for you, Carl Cannon. I'm Tom Bevman, co-founder and president of Real Clear Politics.
1: And I'm Carl Cannon, the long-winded bureau chief of RCP. And this has been the Real Clear Politics takeaway for November 14th, 2023.